Hey there, it's Lee McCormick from Tramps Like Us, Bruce Springsteen podcast. And when I'm not working on my podcast and listening to my own podcast, I like to listen to Jesse Jackson on Set Less Than Bruce. Check him out. And welcome to a new episode of Set Lessing Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. Um, I have a wonderful guest today. I'm going to have Nell introduce herself in a minute. But um, we've already spent almost 10 minutes talking, and I didn't even hit the record button. Um, I may have to do a post-credit sequence that I do every once in a while, because she and I just clicked right away. Um, and it was wonderful. So welcome to the show, Nell. Thank you Thank for joining me. Thank you so much. Me. I'm so glad to be here. Right, Thank so, you. Yeah. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Okay. Well, I am from New York. I teach film and media, um, and I am a writer. I've written two books, and I write um, a blog of nonfiction pieces, and I also recap really terrible reality shows um, on my site and on a guy named Reality Steve's site. He's the bachelor guy. And I cover a bunch of MTV shows. In the past, I've covered Bravo shows. And I, if I could meet anyone on the planet, yeah, it would be Springsteen. Uh, yeah. Um, I actually think Reality Steve is originally from Dallas, isn't he? He's originally from California, but he lives in Dallas now. Yeah, okay. He's because... a good guy. Yeah, um, he was um, one of the sports, the sports station that I listened to, The Ticket. Um, they talk about him a lot because I guess he worked there for a while. and then Yeah, I think got, he started there. Yeah, and then kind of um, reality, it kind of took off, <laughs> you know? It, I mean, the, the scoops that he gets are, are really insane. And um, while I'm not myself a huge Bachelor fan, I used to read his stuff because I just found it interesting and snarky and um as i used to joke a lot of my friends watched the bachelor and i used to say that it was important that i stay up on you know really important news mm -hmm. so i would read his stuff just to, to know what was going on and uh, a few years ago i'd already started writing my own stuff but i reached out to him just with a cold email and said if you're ever interested in on running on anybody else's work on your site covering other shows here's a few examples that kind of give you my writing style and he was just receptive right away and he's been you know really really good to me he's he's a he's a good guy he does good work that is great i um i'm checking out your blog right now um <laughs> and i i love it's a really nice website um i Thank love you. all these springsteen quotes that are uh you know what's interesting is huh? that um i did not set up that site i have zero uh technological experience at all um but uh, an old friend of mine, uh, this guy that I used to know, um, set it up for me. And without any guidance, he select he knew, you know, what Thunder Road kind of meant to me. But he selected that line from the song, you know, you're close in the eyes of all the boys you sent away. And when I saw it, I like cried a little bit because it was one of those kind of moments where you understand that someone knows you in the way that like not everybody does. It couldn't have been a more perfect kind of quote. So I, li I like having him there. Uh, yeah, that's scene. nice. Um, I, by the time people will hear this, they've already would have heard this story. So I apologize for repeating, but um, you were talking about, you know, um, Mike um, Scully, who has worked yeah. on the Simpsons and he shared with me in the interview um, in a timey wimey way that, by the time people hear this, they have already heard this, but it, it hasn't <laughs> been published yet. But he talked about that he's working on a project with Amy Poehler, an animated really? uh, show, and it's going to be, you know, uh, parents with a teenage, and um, Amy's going to do the voice of the um, teenager. And she was talking to Mike, and she says, and I want the dad to be like you. And Mike goes, well, what do you mean? Well, 
obsessed with Bruce Springsteen and someone who can <laughs> find any connection, any way on any topic to somehow bring it about Bruce. And, I'm like that with Bruce and Seinfeld. You know, I think that those are just things that matter in life. Um, I we were um, we were talking at my job, and um, we just had a major investor, a, a private equity firm, buy into my company, and the um, owner, the leader of the private equity firm, was talking about that um, they put a ping pong table in every company they buy. <laughs> Because they have a ping pong table and that it, it's a good way to break stress. And then sometimes they're, if they're kind of debating on a topic, they'll, okay, we'll play for it. And so, of course, what I had to do when I had the chance to talk to them is tell the ping pong table story from Bruce's book. <laughs> and my friends, the guys at work, like, you truly can find a Springsteen story for anything. <laughs> I said, it's my, it's my superpower. Uh, Absolutely. It's a very important thing. Yeah. Better than flying. Exactly. There you go. Um, So, and I love your blogs, A Smart Chick's Musings on the Past, the Present, (laughs) and the Pops of Culture. That is as good a tagline as I've ever read. So, well done. Let me tell you something. Writing the long blogs, writing two books was easier than figuring out that tagline. That that took more time, I feel like, you know, trying to be as succinct as possible and figure out what it is that I'm trying to actually get people to understand that I'm writing and what my style is, what the tone is. That was harder than actually writing books. But I'm, so I'm glad you like it. That makes me happy. Yeah. Um, the um, the uh, I don't know if you know, Robert, um, Robert Asprin had a whole series of books. Um, another fine myth, a series of myth books. And they were, he kind of took them um, fantasy uh, cliches and took them into a humorous method, okay? And okay. Um, so they're, they're absolutely wonderful books. Um, but he talked about once in a blog that um, in the first book, he made up fake quotations in front of the chapter that, you know, fit the chapter, you know, and he says, because like a lot of fantasy novels will do that. So, you Mm -hmm. know, he's, um, and, and I can't think of one right offhand, but it, you know, be, they're really funny and they're really, um, they, they fit the chapter and they're cute. And he said, that ended up being harder than writing the actual novel. <laughs> it's like I coming up with I that chapter. Like, so I, I feel you. I can imagine you going, <laughs> yes. So um, now we always start with um, your background. So talk to me growing up, um, you know, uh, what kind of music did your family listen to? Were there music oh. fans? Talk to me about that. They are huge music fans. So, um, my parents were divorced when I was about five. So my early, my earliest memories of childhood are not very vivid, but the one thing that's like unflinchingly vivid is being little and sitting on the carpet, which I think was rust colored. Cause you know, in my den, uh, we would build forts, my sister and I out of records and there was always music on. And what I always remember when I think back at those memories was, the river. It was a lot of the river, especially the first record, you know, before like the songs got very dark on, on the next one. Um, even though later on I got way into the darker stuff, you know, because, you know, later on I started reacting to the lyrics instead of just like the beat. Uh, but there was always music. My parents listened to, I remember a lot of Elvis Costello, Linda Ronstadt. I, I knew parallel lines, Blondie by heart. Um, I would do like little dances to that, but what I, I associate the music most with my dad. Um, after my parents got divorced, we, we had a house out in the Hamptons. And if you know anything about Hamptons, you know about Hamptons traffic. So a drive that should take an hour and a half uh, takes four hours. So my favorite memories with my dad were sitting in the car with him. And on, on some Sunday nights coming home, Bruce was always in the tape deck. There was a tape deck then. And when it wasn't, that way 
he would be listening to like the doo-wop shop with Don T. Reed. Do you know what I'm talking about? Sure. It was like this like old fifties thing. So my dad was brilliant. You know, he was a professor and he would, one of the things that I was just always very impressed by was that he could name the title of the song just by the opening note. And what he'd then do is he'd tell me stories of his life associated with certain songs. And I realized early on that music really scores our lives in a lot of ways. And music is contextual. It doesn't exist on its own, you know? So he would teach me it's part of a movement or it inspires other pieces of art and listeners react differently because of different perspectives and experience. And I was always taught by him, you know, to take art seriously. And that includes music. And it's probably why I teach film today. Um, And so that was just always a, a really, really important lesson. But music was always in our house. And I like to listen to him talk about where music fit in. And, you know, for him, very much like me, it was all about, with Springsteen, the lyrics. And I, I just remember those moments vividly in terms of having them be associated with Bruce. We had a lot of that. What did you listen to growing up? Um, so I um, was a child of Top 40 Radio. I okay. born in 59. I graduated high school in 1977. And so okay. um, my dad and I moved – my dad was in the Army. We moved around a lot. But we settled when I was a freshman in high school in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Uh, if okay. You, if Louisiana – Louisiana looks like a boot – um, we were at the heel of the Louisiana boot and I would, um, and, and just Casey Kasem top 40, you know, sure. the, the AM station. Um, in fact, I just talked about with someone actually Mike, um, cause he's just a couple of years older than I am. You know, FM was the weird channel. Because you couldn't sing along to the songs. Uh, So, you know, I and then, you know, my parents, uh, we listened to both kinds of music, country and Western, to quote the Blues Mm -hmm. Brothers. Uh, So I, you know, I had this huge, you know, um, you know, you were um, sent to supper. You went to bed with no supper if you didn't watch Johnny Cash's show. And so uh, Hank Williams. Um, you know, later Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, all this different stuff. Uh, a couple of years ago when Merle Haggard died, I felt like I'd lost my father all over again. So, yeah, yeah that um, did. Well, so as you got into high school, what kind of music did you listen to? High, you know, high school, too. It was for, for me personally, when I was home, it was always Bruce. I had one of those, like, dual cassette things in my room, you know, back when you could, like, make mixtapes. You know, that was right. very big. And one side always had Born to Run in there. But when I was with my friends, it was a little bit different. You know, I, my memories of high school involve driving with my friends. So it was a lot of R.E.M. and the Smiths and Indigo Girls and Blues Traveler. Um, I remember senior year, we got very into – Red, you know, the song Everything I Own got really big for us. Sure. Uh, we like we went back and then a ton of nights were just rewinding Cat Stevens, you know, over and over. It was like the song Father and Son and that one line from the moment I could talk, I was ordered to listen. I, I loved that because, you know, it seemed simple and like really wise. Um, but my yearbook quote from high school was from Rosalita. I did... Um, Someday we'll look back on this and it will all seem funny. And I, I sort of kind of like always knew that whatever occurred in that time wasn't going to be feel like heightened like that forever. You know, I was I lost my dad at 14 and a year later I lost a friend. And so I think I kind of like learned early on that some things will matter long term. Certain things won't. And high school silliness and angst probably wasn't going to, you know, loom large i was able to detach from it and i felt like that quote um really personified that i almost did it's a town full of losers and i'm pulling out of here when but i thought that seemed mean and you know i didn't really have that level of fury then i came later um 
so you you did lose your dad in early? I did at fourteen. Wow. At fourteen, yeah. I, and I, so there's there's a definite association. Um, I'm, I'm I'm positive. I mean, Bruce has been in my life my whole life, um, longer than my dad actually, which is kind of insane. And there's a very deep association there that brings it to not just the, this is what I enjoy lyrically and melodically, but there's like this like real connection. Like when I go to Bruce shows, I wear, I, I sound like a crazy person right now. I'm very well aware of that, but I wear a locket with my dad's picture in it and I open it up just, I don't really believe that he can see from it, but just in case he could, why shouldn't he watch? So like I do that. And like, you know, if I go to like Yankee playoff games, I'll open it up too. He's a big Yankee fan, but there's, there was just that huge, my father, Bruce, it's all very Freudian. Uh, uh, you know, I know. No, I, I actually understand that a lot. Um, the, there is a, um, you know, especially with sports, right, in generations, baseball. Ken Burns talked about that in the documentary a lot. And um, there are things that um, my son is 28. Um, okay. And he, um, he – we sent him to Catholic school first through eighth grade. Um, he's always been, um, you know, pretty good kid. Had his share mm -hmm. of – wildness during college but um his fiance um just went through um rca and converted to catholicism and it's kind of rewoke his um kind of commitment to the church and so you know he recently um went through the training to become an extraordinary minister and if you're not catholic that's the people that hand out communion at mass and um you know, and my wife, Linda, and I are like, oh, her dad, Raymond, was one of the guys, like, he went to Mass every day. I'm like, you okay. know he's bragging to anyone <laughs> in the afterlife. Like, oh, yeah, that's, that's you know, that's my grandson. That's my grandson it's there. For sure. Right. There's, you, know, you know, there's just something very special about that, about yeah. having that connection there. Yeah. Um, I, um, I, I am not conventionally religious um, right. at all. I'm Jewish, but I'm not conventionally religious. Yeah. I did, you know, for me, like, if Springsteen shows feel spiritual for me. I, I wrote a piece once that started with the line, I saw God tonight, and it turns out he looks exactly like Bruce Springsteen. You know, like, it's it, that's as close as I get to some kind of, like, religious awakening. You will have to send me that um, link, because I would want to <laughs> read that. Um, I had a year, several years ago, I had a... Uh, of Richard Hunter, who does a pro wrestling um, podcast, um, mixed martial arts, and um, he had worked for the ticket that we had talked about earlier, and we had gotten to be friends, and he is a very um, confirmed atheist, and he says that um, he goes to the Church of Springsteen, and um, you know, the music's there, and he says, and once a year, the only tithe he asks for me is the price of a concert ticket, and I go <laughs> to the worship service with all my other, you know, Springsteen fans, and, um, you know, so I get that. I, I get that a it lot. Really you know, I mean, I have, um, the person I've gone to the most shows with is my sister, um, but I've also taken my mother, I took Three, three boyfriends. I took a really good friend. And for me, it's like if I invite you to a brew show with me, it means like I want you to share something that feels almost spiritual, you know? Right. And so I understand exactly. I leave there feeling uplifted. It's not, it's not a, you know, and I've seen other concerts. I, you know, I, 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 I love Pearl Jam, you know, I, I, it's, they're great. And I'm still waiting for Eddie Vedder to show up on stage when I'm seeing Bruce, as he always does in YouTube videos, you know, but right. And it's wonderful, but I, it's not the same feeling. Like there's something like almost like weirdly primal about the feeling that you get at a Springsteen show. So and uh, I, yeah, I, I'm right there with you now. You know, it's interesting um, because um, one of my best friends, Sam, who sounds like you is Jew-ish. And uh, <laughs> he said, I did not come up with that line, Jesse. I stole it, but it's. Perfect, you know. I'm feeling it. Yeah, <laughs> he says I'm Jew-ish. You know, kind of does the yeah. hand. But 
he went to the Seeger sessions and he said that was as close to a religious service he'd ever attended. Um, You know, he just was amazed at that. I, you know, I have been to a lot of shows and, and it's, it's always profound and it's always special. I would, you know, and it's, it's, it's borderline impossible to to choose my favorite. I mean, there was, um, there was one time I sat behind the stage in Madison Square Garden and out of nowhere, he just launched into for you, you know, and I almost fell over, you know, that was, that was unbelievably insane. Um, but I think 2017, I was at what I think is now called MetLife Stadium, but it'll, it'll always be Giant Stadium to me. And um, I don't read set lists. I can't, I have this, this issue. I can't go on backstreets.com because for years I would go on backstreets.com and find out that, the show before mine um he'd played growing up and it was like this long running horrible joke that was never ever funny to me that i had never managed to hear growing up live it was like devastating on a level that doesn't make sense and so uh, you know I, I kind of prohibited myself from reading set lists so when i went in 2017 in august i had no idea that the night before he'd opened with new york city serenade and he did so the next night as well when I was there. And I couldn't believe that this was happening. And that show was like three hours and 45 minutes long. It was 120 degrees outside. Um, and it was as close to perfect as, you know, any sort of musical experience can be. And so, it really felt like that. Like, it yeah. was, like, I agree with your son, Sam. It's like the Church of Springsteen. I left Reborn. Yeah. So, now that was the second of three, August 25th? It was. Okay, that's the night I was there. So, hey, yeah, see, we're bonding. And um, it was the first time, um, because it was three hours, 45 minutes, close to four. And, and, you know, we had um, Jack of All Trades with the strings, which was amazing. Um, My son was with me. This was only his second show. You know, we had the... Um, the engagement during Jersey Girl, you know, and um, oh, wait, wait, wait. I was at, I was at a different show then. Okay. I wasn't there for the engagement. Okay. I was there then the first or the third night. Okay, not so, the first night. The first night he okay. was growing up. Yeah. yeah, and so, um, but it was the first time ever that when he did finished, I was like, okay, I'm sated, like. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. If he had wanted to do another song, I would have taken it. But I was right. like, I, I'm, I'm okay for the because usually, I, I'm greedy. I'm like, can I get one more song? You know, just yeah. You know, one more bruise, one more, and it was amazing. Um, you know, the reason why you don't go to Backstreets is where the name of this podcast came from. Is um, that right? Yes. Um. So we were discussing, um you know, what I was going to name the podcast. And um, and after the fact, the guys who do Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet um, said, why didn't you name it Jackson Cage? You're Jesse Jackson. I'm like, oh, there you, now you are. Um, so, um, and people are like, set lusting. Do you have the sexual attraction to Bruce? And I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, yes, but that has nothing to do with that, right? Um, it's the idea that, as you well know, he changes his set list all the time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. because of social media, people post the set list either on Twitter, on web pages. And as people follow someone during a live show, instead of set listing, you start set lusting because, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. I can't believe he did the song that I've been chasing. Uh, it's, yeah, it's avoiding the set list of the Broadway show became almost a full-time job. I mean, I almost, you know, considered like turning Amish because I I just, everyone I know, bless their hearts, you know, wanted to send me information reviews and and sex. I was like, I I, I am putting a moratorium on all of this people. I'd like to be surprised. But yeah, that was, it was, it was really though, it was, it was growing up that made me have to turn away from, from these things because I really, I, I do. I'm a very, very kind person. I'm thrilled when anything wonderful happens for anybody that I know. But I can feel no joy that other people got to hear that song and 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 I did not. 
um, like just a, a, a cold bitch when it comes when it comes to that. So I decided rather than embrace that rage, I'm just going to avoid these set lists. Um, you know, the first seven times I saw him, um, he had not done Thunder Road, and I really? was like, I, I, yeah. "How am I? I can't believe." And then mm-hmm. uh, the next eight times he did. So, yeah. um, and even when he was either doing Thunder Road or Dream Baby Dream, you know, at the end mm-hmm. of the shows, I was like, I mm-hmm. I wanted to hear Dream Baby Dream, but I'm like, okay, look, um, Jack, but, you know, look, Jackass, you can't <laughs> complain that you're getting Thunder Road instead of Dream Baby Dream after all these times you didn't get it. Um, I, I'm gonna move, I, I did want to share... Um, there is another writer, uh, Sarah Elizabeth Goodman. Um, she okay. has not been on the show yet. I'm trying to get her, but um, she wrote her first novel was Beyond the Palace, which is a love story wow. with um, about Ben and Laura and them kind of meeting at a Springsteen show, and their whole relationship is based on um, him touring and going to shows, and and then when they're not going to shows, they're you know, listening to music, and and it's a it's a beautiful love story, um, and I'm gonna Kindle the hell out of that thing yeah, tonight. That yeah, sounds great. Yeah, it is. It's only a dollar ninety nine on the Kindle. So yeah, um, so but she tells the story that she was not a Springsteen fan at all, and uh, even though her father was, and mm-hmm. her grandmother died, and she was very close to her grandmother. And um, and she just grabbed a CD that her dad had burned for her, and she got to Atlantic City with the line, everything dies, that's a fact, but sometimes they come back. And she right. kept, with the loss of her grandmother, she just kept playing that song over and over and over again, and it comforted her. And then she's now, you know, a huge fan. But um, – and I I think that's the interesting of how your grief can tie to you, especially since your father was your, you know, your gateway to Bruce's music. You know, it, it, he really was. I um, – you had uh, – when I had said to you, you know, earlier on, you know, just just – what are we going to discuss? And you just gave me a few like little talking points. And one of the things was, how did you discover Bruce? You know, I smiled because I never discovered him. He was always there. I've never, I've never had a life or I've never known a life that hasn't been scored by Springsteen. Like legend has it. And obviously I don't don't have that precognition, but when I was eight months old, apparently my father played me both sides of born to run and sat me on his lap and read me capture in the ride, you know, and um, I don't know now why he did that, but my guess is that he wanted to infuse me early with words written by you know, complicated geniuses. What's funny is that I'm actually like still smitten by men who are complicated geniuses. So I'm going to go ahead and blame that part on my father. But, you know, <laughs> it was it was always it was always in my house, you know, and for me, um, like talking about like something associated with your father, like. Thunder Road, I know it's like a lot of people's favorite songs. And and what I think is so amazing about um, a musician like Springsteen is that it's showing people's favorite songs for for different reasons. You know, it's um, I remember driving in the car with my father and asking him what the word redemption meant because it was in the song. And he stopped the song and he rewound it. And again, he was a professor. He did this kind of stuff, but he rewound it and we stopped after every single line and like we analyzed each line, you know, and that could be the kind of thing that would drive another kid up a wall. It's one of my finest memories, you know, that's the song I recall him dancing around the house to. That's the song that was played at his funeral, you know, and for a long time after that, that song was then associated with grief. And so it was one of those things where I like fought for that song to not just be associated with that, you know, and what's, what I find so just really unbelievably special about, you know, Springsteen's music is, you know, 
I do think of my father every time it's played, but the song has different resonance now. You know, I've experienced enough life that I have been beneath my cover studying my pain. That line now sounds like truth in a way that it used to just sound lyrical, you know? Um, so there's this, there's this like profundity, if that's the right word, about just the layers that these songs can have and how they can, you know, I can't, when I'm at a concert and he plays Thunder Road, I bawl my eyes out. It doesn't happen when it's on the radio, not ever. It doesn't happen if I see it on TV. It, I don't know if, I, I think it's about, it's just, that harmonica hits me where I'm 14. You know what I mean? And it just takes me to a place where I, I've, I've seen 31 shows and the Broadway one. So I guess 32, but like, I never got to see him with my dad. So there's that sense of, he feels very present there because of that song. And I think that there's something kind of amazing. There's, I'm a, I'm a huge movie person. I'm a huge TV person. I'm a huge book and and music person. There's no other artist and there's no other song that conjures him up the way that Springsteen's work does. And it's almost as though his music has allowed my connection with my father to continue unbroken on some level. You know, uh, you, I totally you understand that. Yeah. For that. Um, you know, what's interesting is first off, I, um, I'm going to jump ahead. One of the questions and I will send you this link. Um, Jay Armstrong is a, um, high school English teacher. He teaches um, advanced, you know, high school English. And um, and one of the things he does is they take Thunder Road and compare it to um, The Road Less Traveled. Mm -hmm. And um, and the, he he had the episode, he, he did a mini version with me where we talked about it. And um, you know, he talks about Robert Frost and he said, there's no doubt that Bruce being raised at the era he was raised, you know, road not taken was discussed. And, um, and at the end of the class, it takes about a day and a half. He says it's about a class and a half. He says, he asks his students, okay, does Mary get in the car? <laughs> And so, what they say? Uh, well, he said different people do. So I'm going to ask you that question now. Does, okay. does, does Mary get in the car? Does Mary get in the car? I think, I think there's not a doubt for me that she does. <laughs> you know, one of the, you, I, I just think about it because like, you know, it, it, Thunder Rose Mary is my favorite Mary, you know? Um, right. I also happen to really, uh, the, the river's Mary has always meant something to me too. And I don't share that conspiracy theory notion that it's the same Mary. I don't believe so. Um, but what I like about both of them is that like both of those women or girls are, are dealing with real stakes. And I just like respond to that sense of urgency. I think it forms an identification between the character and the listener, but you know, they're like the pr most perfect lyrics I've ever heard is she was painted into this universe. That's so vivid. You experience it you know, with all of your senses and you can feel the heaviness of that night. It like matches both of their dawning understandings that they have to leave now or exist in that heaviness forever. And I'm a sucker for people riding off into the distance and taking that chance. So I say Mary climbs in. Yeah. So do I, by the way, uh, I, in fact, when I, <laughs> I talk to Jay, I'm like, of course he does. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, he says this is a town for losers. We're, you know, climbing out of here to win. And he goes, if you look at the lyrics yeah. on the album I'm doing, and I'm like, look, I grew up on Disney movies. I'm telling you, I want the happy <laughs> ending. Um, I think so. Yeah, and, and I think so too. But I think it's an interesting question. And um, by the way, um, another guest, as I do nothing but talk about my previous episodes, but you keep setting me up perfectly. Um, there is a local, um, our version of, you know, uh, the B street band thunder road is mm -hmm. a Bruce Springsteen tribute band here in Dallas. 
Okay. And uh, one of the um, uh, players, he does uh, the saxophone, um, talked about that in the episode. I, I was able to go, and he said he was hiding under the covers. He was fighting a depression that he could not get past. And uh, and literally, Bruce's music helped him get past it. You know, he just listened to over and over and over. Yeah. So, yeah, I think all of us have that point where, um, you know, I remember when they were talking about, you know, the hundreds greatest country songs. Uh, they talked about the song Make the World Go Away. And they said, you know, who of us doesn't have that feeling sometimes where, you know, make the world go away. Get it off of my shoulders. Yeah. Well, uh, it's, you know, it's crazy. It's like I, I've been singing Thunder Road since I'm two, you know, babbling yeah. it away. And there was a there was a point, you know, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago where, you know, all of a sudden I was like listening to it in my car. And it was like, again, you know, you could hide beneath your covers and study your pain. And I thought to myself, holy shit, I've been doing that. You know what I mean? And yeah. it all, that line has never resonated before. It's something I've said. I know it. I, I, the students that I have in my class right now, I won't remember their names next year. But like that line, like that I'd known, like it all of a sudden now it meant something different, you know. The other thing I like about Thunder Road also, I think, is I like stories, and I think Bruce does it a lot. That I like stories that unfold in like a condensed time frame, you know, that kind of narrative structure. There's something that's like heightened when you know that something takes place only in a certain amount of time, and I just think he does that beautifully. I just, I just really think that he does that, and I think that song's a great example of that. Yeah, I agree. I think so. Um, and it's, um, we in sports, they'll talk about, you know, Joe Montana, if he isn't, and I guess this was before Brady got crazy, but you know, if Joe Montana isn't the greatest quarterback of all times, he's in the discussion. You know, if Thunder Road, if Thunder Road isn't Bruce's greatest song, it's in the discussion. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Absolutely. you know, and in and, and different uh, ways. Um, yeah, and I mean, I throw other songs in there, too, but that's yeah. always got to be part of it. Yeah. Um, and it is such a, um, it's such a beautiful um, story. Um, yeah. so I, I, I think that's awesome. Um, so, um, I'll ask the dumbest question ever. So what'd you think of the Broadway show? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I remembered the Broadway show a little bit more. I think I wrote that piece, um, on, on my site because I, I, I wanted to actually remember. Broadway show was insane. You know, it was, as you, you went as well. I saw it. It's yes. like your, it's your picture on, on Twitter. Um, when I heard he was coming to Broadway, I, ex I had a completely different idea of what it was supposed to be. I just thought he was going to be playing in a small theater. I expected the set list to change every night. I had read the autobiography, obviously. I didn't think it was going to be so closely tied. As soon as I found out that it was going to be, you know, a basic spoken word and um, a set set list, I then started to try to kind of like, I wrote like a, I typed it into like the notes app of my phone of what I figured he'd play. So I was like, okay, so you know, talk about his dad. So it's either going to be my father's house or factory, you know? And then I thought, I don't know if I can allow myself to hope, but maybe he's going to do the wish, you know? And, and so I, and probably 10th Avenue because of the band and stuff, but I, I, I was, I, I went in blind, you know, like, like everybody else did. I really didn't read a review. Um, I spent more on tickets than I spent on my first car and yeah. I, I do not regret it. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it more than my first car as well. So there's that. Um, it was pouring down like torrential downpours that day. I did make my sister stand at like the rail. Um, she was a good sport and he did walk in. He did. I, I was as close to him as I'm probably ever going to be. And really you, you I, I'm videotaping it. I'm shaking. You see my, the hand shaking and you hear me just very like, like deeply almost say, Oh my God, as he walks by, like I, I couldn't breathe, you know? Um, I had fourth row seats closest I've ever been. And I just thought he was brilliant. And 
I thought he was very funny too. You know, I've, I've obviously, I've, I love the banter and in, in, at the shows and I've listened to his interviews that he clearly has a sense of humor, but there were times that I legitimately really laughed and, um, and there were moments that were incredibly emotional. The problem for me was that um, whenever I take someone to a show, I have to sort of like explain something to them because I, it, I sound like a crazy person, but I've analyzed myself enough to understand why it happens. It's this existential thing. As soon as he walks out on stage, whether I'm feeling anything before or not, I immediately burst into tears. It goes away quickly, you know, like I'm not racking sobs, like you need to like there, there. Like it's it's a very kind of like private moment, but I cannot believe that somebody who's been so influential in my life is actually in the same physical space as me. Um, and so when he came out on the stage and he was close enough that I could have heaved myself up to him, which I refrain from doing, um, I, I was just almost hyperventilating. So he launches in, I don't want to ruin too much, but he, it's this says so in my blog, but he launches into growing up. I'm like catatonic at this point. I know that he stopped in the middle and did a story. I don't remember what that story was about. I need to go see the show again. I was so like out of my head that I was there, that he was there, that this was happening, that this was such a perfect artistic moment. I was so grateful for it. You know, and I just thought it was beautiful. However long it was, if it was two hours, it passed like 30 seconds. I could have watched it six more times. Um, I, I, you know, when Promised Land is a, is a really important song for me and hanging over my bed, I had made into a print, the blow away the dreams that tear you apart section and how he performed that during the show. I just thought it was astonishing. Um, you know, without the mic. And I, I just thought it was beautiful and different and completely different than any, you know, Springsteen show I've seen. Um, just a real, you know, it's, it was something I never doubted, but you have that understanding of this is a real artist. I am in this person's presence and I am fortunate. That's how I felt watching that show. Um, you know, what, I had seen um, the set list. I, I had um, checked out, and um, but I had not studied it. I okay. just, you know, because I, I, first off, I didn't think I was ever going to go. And um, then when I got a chance so to go. And, yes, me too. Um, once I got the chance to go, I'm like, okay, well, I've already seen it. Kind of hard to unsee it. Um, <laughs> so a friend of mine. Sam, the same guy I was talking about, um, it's like, I don't want to know anything about the show. He says, even though I've already seen the set list, he says, but I will tell you, I'm kind of disappointed that my father's house is on there because that's not one of my favorite songs. Right. And I said, I will tell you, Sam, that in context, um, I think you're going to enjoy it. I said, mm -hmm. because I am not a fan of the blues version of Born in the USA. Right. But in context, it was perfect. And it so, really was. Yeah. And after yeah. he came back, he said, you were totally right. My he, sister said very much the same thing about my hometown. You know, we, we, both of us have seen him a lot. And, you know, there's always songs that we're hoping he's going to play. You know, again, it's like that greedy thing. But, you know, she's like, I, I you know, she's, and she said to me afterwards, because she didn't check out the set list either. So she said to me, you know, when he started My Hometown, she's like, not that I was surprised that he played it. But my initial thought was, I wish it was something else. And she's like, it, that version was just so beautiful. And, in, and again, in the context of what he was saying, though I don't remember what he was saying because I was too much in my own head at that moment. But it was a like just like this like glorious performance of it. So I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I'm glad that your friend saw it um, and liked it that yeah, way. Yeah, he did. And he um, and um, he went a night where Patty wasn't there. Right. And so um, and so I, I don't remember the two songs they did instead. And, um, okay. you know, and Sam was, um, 
happy, but he's like, you know, I really would have liked to have seen, um, you know, the one of the two that, yeah, that she did, you know, um, and, and we kind of discussed, I see, you know, he says, I guess it's, you know, we're splitting hairs on what was the better experience, you know, seeing him without her. And, right. You know, he says, because it was amazing. Um, I like the idea that you talked about, um, you know, for those of you who don't know, Nell's blog, um, she talks about, you know, show number 32. Um, okay. And, um, and, you know, as John, who was on an earlier podcast, said, you know, I've seen Bruce Springsteen X amount of times and on Broadway. He says, I, I don't yeah. even feel like it's the same thing. Um, I don't really either. It just worked nicely for the, for the piece. Yeah. I do think it's very different, yeah. Now, I did count um, when I went to, you know, My Boss Time. Um, I put mm-hmm. that as a show so that I would have the wish checked off my, you know, card because that was one of my songs that i would have loved to seen live and uh yeah and i was just crying crying you know uh was there a song that you were hoping to hear in broadway that you didn't hear like was there one that you expected that he would play that he didn't play no i uh, thought he was gonna maybe play living proof which i really wanted to hear live because i figured he'd talk about his kids yeah that would have been interesting um you know, once again, I was kind of surprised that um, Dancing in the Dark made it. I was too. And then by having him talk about, you know, how sometimes you have to be like his mother and just dance. And with, right. you know what his mom is facing. And then to go from mm-hmm. Dancing in the Dark to, spoilers guys, Land of Hope and Dreams, which is one mm-hmm. of my favorite songs. Uh, was a perfect segue. I mean, that just, and you know, I, you, I should learn not to second guess Bruce. He kind of knows what he's doing, (laughs) right? He does know what he's doing. He's got some tricks in him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, so you talked about, um, promised land and growing Mm -hmm. up, any other songs that mean a great deal to you that are, um, you know, uh, that you want to uh, share? Uh, yeah, you know, um, when I was growing up, um, I, I remember very clearly the Darkness on the Edge of Town picture, you know. This, the the album back when I was little and in my teen years kind of didn't move me so much. I think that um, I wasn't almost ready to understand, again, like the stakes that were involved in, in, in the lyrics of that. In the last, I would say, five or six years, the actual song Darkness on the Edge of Town has maybe meant more to me than just about any other. Um, It's that line. It's that I'll be there on time and I'll pay the cost for wanting things that can only be found in the darkness on the edge of town. Because I don't have necessarily like the most traditional life. And I think I'm on some level like really drawn to the edgy. And if I could maybe change that part of myself, I think I might, I think life would be easier that way. But there's that understanding in that lyric of, um, there are certain things that draw you to the edge, but you're not necessarily like standing out there all by yourself. So there's that, you know, I remember I recently said to my mom, um, like, can you imagine just like, I wish I had written the line. There's a darkness on the edge of town. Like it's, simple and yet it's not simple at the same time it commands such like a visual understanding your picture is painted it's just so powerful so there's darkness and then um for you is another one that um that just means a lot to me i I just i think it's one of the best pieces of writing i've i've just ever heard it's it's so beautifully crafted and um when my niece was about two years old, my sister, I had, I, I took her from Westchester to my house. My sister and I had changed cars because my sister had the car seat. My niece was like two 
And I understood every like six things she said because she spoke like it was like gibberish coming out of an adorable thing. But I wasn't her mother, so I didn't understand like things she said. And I was driving her. And at one point I looked in the back seat and said um, we were listening to some like horrible like kids CD that was in my sister's thing. And I was, you know, ready to like end it all. And I said to her, um, Jaden, would you like to hear anything else? (laughs) You know, and she said princess cards. And I was like, is this Disney? Like, what is she talking about? And then I was like, oh, my God, I think she's talking about for you. So I looked in my sister's side compartment. She had a copy of readings. And I put it in and said, is this what you want? And she was, like, tapping her foot. And I was like, my father would have loved this. So for you, it's, like, a a really, really special one to me. Living proof has meant a lot to me. Um, Long time coming is is something that's one of my new favorites. You know, who hasn't wanted to, like, get birth naked and various old souls and dance on right. braids, like all that kind of stuff is um, I like, I like some of the stuff that's defiant, you know what I mean? Like that line is defiant for you and growing up. Oh God, all of them, maybe I'm really into defiance. All of these are like, it's just about, this is what I'm going to do. I just, there's something I, I'm drawn to that, to that level of power. It makes me feel powerful by listening to it. it makes me feel understood. So it's, you know, if, if I can do, if I can write anything that makes anybody feel like the way any of those lines have made me feel, I feel like I've done my job. Yeah. I'd be very proud. I, I can see that. I, um, you know, I tend to go for, um, go for the hopeful, um, even though, you know, I know with Bruce, right? More normal. Yes. Uh, no, I, I tend to be an optimist and. And I, um, I was lucky enough to, he came to Austin, which is only, you know, a few hours drive south of Dallas. And so he was there for the book signing and I got a ticket. So I got my six seconds with him and my picture (laughs) and, um, my, um, there's two photos, one me facing the camera. The other one, they caught me talking to him, and all my friends say that I am look like I'm in love with Bruce and telling him to do something very obscene to me. Um, <laughs> it's like, did he do it? <laughs> uh, no, but um, you know, and so I've told this story many times. But you know, I'm driving down to Austin, and I knew I was only going to get just a few seconds. So mm-hmm. I was Luca Broxa in The Godfather. You know, may your child, first child, be a masculine child. I'm so honored. So, you know, my pitch was I was unemployed nine months last year. I listened to Better Days and Land of Hope and Dreams daily, and it got me through that time. Thank you. Um, ah. He, I don't think, by the time I was, had said the word months, they were going next. But right. um, I needed to say it more than I needed him to hear it. You know, I have, I do know, I have visions. I tried to get a ticket to to do this as well in New York. I was not able to, and then I cried for four days straight. But um, I have um, fantasies in my head of what it would be like if I met him, and I would love to tell you that even in the fantasies that, like, I'd love to tell you, like, I'm poised and you know and I, I say everything I want to say but even in my fantasies of meeting him I am a hysterical puddle because I understand that kind of what I want to say to him similarly really to what you did which is thank you like I in my first book I wrote a book called student and I thank him in my acknowledgement section because you know I, I'm, I'm grateful to exist on the same planet as him and I understand that there have to have been millions of people who have already expressed such sentiments but I I feel the need to say it as well you know and I would love to have that conversation what I always wanted to ask him is what song has changed most for him in meaning since he's written it because so many of his songs have changed in meaning so Mm. much for me and so I'm always curious about that you know like um, I said it in the, the piece that I wrote the 32nd time that my dad had a t-shirt made that said the door's open, but the ride it ain't free. And when I was growing up, I knew where the, where the line came from. I always took it as a somewhat sexual line, which I thought was like a little bit embarrassing that was my dad was wearing that shirt. The 
the ride's not free. I thought it was kind of some kind of like sex thing. Um, as I got older and I had different relationships and I, you know, learned what you do and don't kind of accept in a relationship, that line meant something very different. And I'm always curious as to, for him, what's different now? You know, I go back and read things that I wrote and they have shifted and he's been writing far longer and far more gloriously than I have. So I'm, I'm curious about that. Yeah. One of the reasons why I liked, um, the second river tour is hearing him do independence day from the perspective mm-hmm. of when he wrote it, he was the um, son and now then he sees the father's perspective. And, and I think that's very interesting. And it is uh, it's like it's from forgiveness this time. Yes. And so yeah. I, I, I think that was very cool. That I, That's a good question. I would not have that good of a question. Um, people <laughs> did ask me, they said, did you tell them about the podcast? I'm like, no, I'm not going to tell them about the podcast. Um, though I did write a letter telling them about the podcast, and I did put about eight or nine shows on a flash drive and said, this is not a demo. And, and uh, <laughs> so that maybe – Someone on his uh, staff would have said, oh, oh, it's a podcast about Bruce. Um, yeah. Bruce, if you're hearing this one, I love you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, all, I, um, right. Uh, yeah. Um, so I do want to – God, we, we've gone an hour, but um, I do – talk about your books. Um, I'm, uh, okay. Tell me, yeah, let's do your uh, – tell me a little bit about them. Okay, there's, there's two. So the first one is student. And it's a novel that takes place, again, in a condensed time frame. It starts at a girl. um, It starts in January of the second semester of senior year of college and goes into the semester following that graduation. And it's um, written in a first-person perspective, almost diary-like, even though it's not a dear diary thing, um, somewhat stream of consciousness. And it's following this person's journey. She's, you know, it's, it's on some level very conventional. She is at a college. She's living in a sorority house. Um, uh, you know, she has a lot of friends. You know, she's got a long-distance boyfriend. But at the same time, it's really about somebody um, about to leave a place that's become the new safe place in her life. And also that moment in college, like I remember thinking I was going to go to college and get out of college and I got this, you know. And it, I, what I realized during myself during that last semester of college is how much more I had to learn. So here I was leaving this institution of learning and I had so much more to learn. So this character is going through something similar and she's navigating what her future plans will be. And she's navigating friends and she's navigating relationships and student is a good beach read. You know, it's, it's like a good fun. I've been there kind of book, you know, and my publishing company is actually called Candy's Room Books because, you know, why not? Um, So that's student and that's available on Amazon. And then I have a book called That Year, which is um, a true story. And it's a year in the life of a very um, frenetic, unhealthy relationship and kind of, um, I did not write that book to write that book. I wrote that book um, almost, I wrote that book in three months. And I think as far as writing goes, it's a really good piece of writing. Um, and it's, uh, it was one of those things. It's, it's like catharsis. This, this woman who I actually met online, she's not somebody that I really know. She follows my writing. She bought it. She read it. She emailed me and said, I'm saying this in a good way. Reading that year was like swallowing a handful of razors because I've been there. Um, but there's, there's kind of like that sense in me of if I'm going through this, I'm going to get something positive out of it for myself. And so for me, I needed to get understanding and I needed to retrace everything to sort of understand where I'd been up until then. So um, that year is much more serious Um, it's, uh, I think it's probably in a lot of ways, very, very relatable, um, maybe for everybody, but I think especially for women. And, um, I'm really proud of that one. 
I just don't read it. Yeah. <laughs> Once I was done, I was done. Uh, but those, those are the two ones. And then, um, and then uh, my, my site is nellcalter.com and I, I post there uh, pretty frequently. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing that. Um, are you working on a new book? I'm not sure right now what I, I'm trying to figure out. Um, I don't quite know where I want to go yet. And when um, I have a script that I wrote, actually called The Promised Land, uh, that I'm trying to shop around for an agent. Um, it's a little bit of like a kind of a mystery story, also set in a college setting. I like that. I like the I like the idea of a college setting for something, you know, like a narrative story. I like the world that feels like home but is actually very temporary. Um I like the um the rush of it while at the same time the hominess of it. So I'm I'm working I've I've written that and I'm trying to send that out. But as far as another book, I'm not quite sure where I want to go. Once I settle, I, I, I write fast. And okay. so don't quite know. All right. And uh, you talked about loving uh, reality TV. Um, <laughs> uh, do you like Unreal? I, um, I love the first season of Unreal. I thought the first season of Unreal was fantastic. I thought the first episode of the first season was one of the best things I've seen in a really long time. Yeah. And I think Constance Zimmer is great. I think Sherry Appleby is a wonderful actress. Um, I thought the second season um, – was hideously bad. I, I didn't understand where any of those plot threads were going. And I tuned back in for the third season and kind of dropped out halfway. But I really like what they were trying to do. Yeah, and I, 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 yeah. Yeah. I've stuck with it in for a lot of ways uh, for those two actresses. You know, I, I just yeah, really, yeah, I, I really like uh, Constance Zimmer. She was, um, it, you know, she's always played really interesting characters, and I think mm -hmm. her um, character on this is very um, complicated. In and I mean that in a not a oh condescending way. I just truly do. Yeah. I mean, there yeah. is um, there is plenty of stuff where um, she is not a likable person at all. Uh, but yeah. at the same time, there you know there are things I really like about her. Um, gosh, yeah. this is great. I have enjoyed talking to you so much. Um, so I have loved talking to you. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. So you've already shared, um, your, um, uh, Neil Coulter, right? N Nell Coulter. Nell Coulter, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, I will have the link to the blog. Um, cool. and, uh, you're on Twitter. I know that. I am on that's Twitter. I am on Twitter. Uh, you want to go ahead and give your Twitter handle? It's Nell underscore Coulter. I'm not that interesting, you know, so it's nope. just that. Nothing wrong with that. Um, <laughs> hang tight while I do a little housekeeping. If you want okay. to join me and share your Springsteen story, I'm always looking for guests. There's a couple ways you can reach me. You can go to Twitter. I'm at Jesse Jackson DFW. We also have a Twitter account for the show, um, at Set Lusting Bruce. Um, the setlistingbruce at gmail.com is our email address, and we have a Facebook page, Set Lusting Bruce. You're welcome to reach out to me and talk to me. Like I said, I'm always looking for more guests. And if you could go to iTunes to rate and review us, it is how I find new uh, new listeners find us. Uh, we're, we haven't quite broke 50 reviews yet, so that would be a wonderful. My birthday's coming up in June. What a better way to say uh, happy birthday. Um, now you are a treasure. I, I'm going to have to get the books and read them, um, and I may have you come back just for us to talk about them after I read them. Um, I would love that. Yeah. Um, and um, any final thoughts you want to give us? I will only say that there's this uh, version of This Hard Land that he did from Prague that I watched once a week on YouTube, and anyone who loves that song should check out that particular performance. It's another song I've never heard um, in concert, and it's such a good version. And I'll also wish you an early happy birthday. Well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, this is great. We're going to end with tonight I'll be on that hill because I can't stop. I'll be <laughs> on that hill with everything I've got. Well, lives on the line where dreams are found and lost. 
I'll be there on time, and I'll pay the cost for wanting things that only can be found in the darkness on the edge of town. Thank you, Nell. You were a great guest. Thank you, listeners. We'll talk to you soon. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.